from a two-bedroom apartment on the west side of Los Angeles, it's High on Film! Tonight, we've got Dave Byrne and the Double O Kid. You've come to the right place! We still have a lot of fun with computers. Boop, boop on this week's adolescent episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children, ages 13 and up. Welcome to High on Film, sobering talk about movies. I'm Chris Maxwell, I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. We are uh, at episode 209, watching the Corey Haim potentially direct-to-video movie, The Double O Kid, from 1992 today, directed by Duncan McLaughlin, written by Andrea Buck and Duncan McLaughlin for the screenplay, and Stephen Paul and Stuart Paul for the story, I can't believe it took four people to come up with this idea. Welcome to the show. Uh, this movie literally gives us nothing and everything to talk about. Uh, it's put me in a terrible mood. I, yeah, whatever, I'm going to give up the ghost. This is the biggest waste of time of my life. This is such... Studio trash that, I mean, I, I have so many problems and I'm personally offended that I had to watch this movie today. I'll get into that. Let's get to people here around the table. My, my co-host, the man right to my left, a podcaster of disaster for sure. And the Brad Davis that God gave us, who is the one who discovered this fucking stupid movie. <laughs> Brad Davis. The, my introduction has literally never had so much disdain behind it. You know, and here we are, about to go into Oscar Oscar season, oh, Oscar episode. I think it's so appropriate. With our own personal like Razzies of this being just, just, this is... A palate cleanser. A palate cleanser, yeah, okay. <laughs> I have literally never seen you so mad during and after a movie. We've watched a lot of movies together, and I've never seen you so mad. Well, I mean... Like I was trying to articulate, I, even movie like I love watching a good train wreck, right? A movie that tries for something and fails spectacularly, like most of the Transformers movies, or say uh, Boondock Saints Two, All Isn't Saints. That kind of tried to do something. I it mean, definitely I tried to do something and is awful. <laughs> and sure, I was like banging my head against the wall when we were watching it, but like, I took joy in knowing how terrible that is. This movie doesn't even try for anything. It is just splattering of a kid James Bond, but every problem that they run into in the filmmaking, in the screenplay, in the acting, instead of addressing the problems or trying to address the problems, they just go, all right, never mind, just move on. And that is, it just makes for just nonsensical garbage. Nonsensical garbage is what this movie is. Yes. I, Starring Corey Haim. Yep. Yeah. Nicole Eggert. Nicole Eggert, Bridget Nielsen, and then actors... Wallace Shawn. ...that have, are, are the caliber that have no business in this movie. Wallace Shawn, uh, John Reese davies uh, Karen Black. What are these people doing in this film? Do they need money that bad? I guess so. Yeah. You caught John Reese davies in between Indiana Jones and Lord of the Rings. D did he really go through a dry spell of money? I don't know. Let's get to our guest. <laughs> He is one of our favorites to have on the show, who just relishes in these terrible movies. And, uh, yeah, this is probably, you know, one of the two worst movies I think we've ever done on the show. Uh, both now 
belonging to this gentleman. <laughs> I, I uh, one of the call this one mine. The Boondocks well, but you're you're a that's guest. That's a product the, of mine. The, the show, the episode is okay. Yeah, that's fine. Of yours is, is what I mean. I just want to make it clear who who determined that this would be done. Sure. Well, you and Brad uh, kind of I thought came to a agreement that this yeah. was to, to to be a high on film episode. Yeah. You sons of bitches. He is the curator <laughs> of Junk deal. on Netflix and uh, a lover of bad movies all around. Dave Byrne has returned. Hey, everybody. Hey, Dave. <laughs> welcome back. Sorry it had to be under such terrible circumstances. <laughs> oh, I am ecstatic about this movie. I cannot wait. Now, <laughs> let's go over. Like, So this kid dreams of being a spy. He, Well, I guess that's a different <laughs> no. game. But. Uh, he, didn't, yeah. he doesn't dream of being a spy. No, right? No, wait. For all of our listeners, real quick, because I'm sure... Nobody knows what this movie no, is. No, probably nobody knows what this movie <laughs> is. This is a movie that I watched as a kid that I hadn't... That I, that I like somewhat liked as a kid for some reason. I'm not really sure. Maybe I because I had a crush on Nicole Eggert from Charles in Charge at the time. Oh, yeah. She's... Yeah. Sure. That was right around our age of having a big crush on Nicole Eggert. Right. Yeah. So that was probably what, Which when I saw this on the one day, I was like, oh, I'll watch this. daytime episodes of Baywatch. <laughs> no, that's true, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, as a kid, like, quote, I'm doing air quotes, liked the movie. Like, I enjoyed it, I guess. Probably mostly for her. Uh, and then it was on, when I was back home in Pittsburgh recently, I was, like, staying at my parents' place and... Well, late one night, it was on TV. Why is it on late night TV? Yeah, this I don't is know. A I, have a bunch of, no, I mean, it was like a, they have a bunch of different movie channels. Uh, I mean, it yeah. was like might have been late enough where it was already like morning. Yeah, it's like three o'clock or something. But it was on, and I started. I was like, oh, I haven't seen this movie in years. I watch it. I see. I didn't remember it being so bad, and I'm seeing how terrible it is. And I immediately texted Dave. Yeah. And told him that he has to see this movie because it is so terrible. Yeah. He'll love it. You yeah. know, this is only the second Corey Haim movie I've ever seen. Ugh. And I don't think I'll ever watch another one. Ugh. <laughs> Fast Getaway? Fast Getaway 2? You got a, you got some some classics in there. Just, just Classics? Like, I, I've never even heard of these movies. Demolition High? Yeah. yeah. See, these are movies I've License never even drive? Never heard of. Yeah. Until we, I started doing research for this movie, I have never even heard these titles before. Well, I'm sure you heard of his, his TV show. The two Corys on A&E. I have you, heard of that. Okay. And Lucas I always liked. I, Lucas is a pretty good movie. Never yeah. heard of Lucas. I knew The Lost Boys and I knew of the sensation of the Corys. Right. And that it was Feldman and Haim. And that's it. <laughs> that's all you really need to know. You don't really need to delve any no, deeper. No, you don't. Clearly, if this is the caliber <laughs> of movies these two are churning out. Pretty much. It's pretty much it. God damn it. You're so mad. So mad. You know what's even worse? It's okay, it's called the Double O Kid. They have this rip-off James Bond music in this movie in the opening credits. And that's as far as like the James Bondy stuff goes. Other than like Yeah. That's it, I guess. Pretty much. He's more MacGyver than anything else. He's a mixture of like MacGyver and James Bond. Yeah. And Something else that's not very and just good. Just a kid getting mixed up inexplicably. Hold on, I just want to play a little of this music first. <laughs> because it is the closest thing to a James Bond theme without getting sued by the Bercoli uh, Institute. I mean, I guess we don't know they didn't get sued. <laughs> that's that's true. true. <laughs> I don't think... If Vanilla Ice could uh, sidestep being sued, this definitely does. Here it is.
Get out of here, David. No, it does bring up an interesting question. How do they get away with like such blatant James Bondery ripoff if they obviously don't have the rights to go anywhere near it? Yeah. I, probably nobody saw this movie, so nobody even realized it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, well, let's get into some trash Star Destroy. Uh, now that we're on the topic of James Bond, um, let's do three movies that somewhat spoofed or uh, paid homage to James Bond. Call this category in like Flint. Because this movie pays homage. Pays homage. Oh, yeah. well, oh in title and music <laughs> That's alone, it. yeah. Just the opening credits. I and guess with, Nicole Eggert's the Bond girl. Yeah, with all of the non-committal sex between all of the people, but it's toned down to PG-13 to just making out with strangers for the first half of the movie. You're not wrong, Dave, actually. Okay. Maybe by the end of this podcast, <laughs> I'll right. see it we'll bring you over a, the dark side. a James Bond homage. Yeah. Uh, all right. In Like Flint, we'll do three movies, not including In Like Flint. We'll do Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, Spy Hard, and Johnny English. <laughs> the Rowan Atkinson the classic. The Rowan Atkinson classic. I mean, this is a... For me, I'm going to start in Austin Powers. Okay. And I know we've done a category with Austin Powers in it before, and I'm going to give credit to you for this, because I think you were the one who always takes the Seth Green role. I do. And that's the right answer, because I, I think I've done it before where I take... I can't even remember I take something else, but you're right. Seth Green is the best role to take in that movie. Because, I mean, he gets some of the best scenes. Yeah. You get to act with everybody. Yeah. You get the shush scene, which yeah, is true. great. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to start in Austin Powers. Take the Seth Green role. What's the other two? Spy Hard and, oh, Johnny English. Johnny English. I'm going to trash Johnny English. Say it ain't so. I have to do it, Chris. I know. All the big Johnny English fans out there are just cursing my name right now. Yeah. Um, Probably the Mr. Bean fans cursing your name. Yeah, I like Mr. Bean. You know it's the same guy, right? I'm aware of that. <laughs> yes, I'm very aware of that. It's, I like his character, Mr. Bean. Okay. Uh, he is Alphonse Bean. Like, I don't know if you... Is that, is that Mr. Bean's first name? I don't know. Maybe. I oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Alphonse. I hope it is. That's a great name. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm going to give Spy Hard to Michael Bay, because I actually think if that movie... You, you give a Mike, uh, Michael Bay... More Michael Bay-isms in it, more explosions, more, uh, you know, more action. Yeah. You still have Leslie Nielsen in the lead role. Hey, you're doing all right for yourself. You're... I mean, you put Leslie Nielsen in a movie, I'm going to at least like it to a certain degree. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. I mean, it'll still be funny. Big fan of the Mr. Magoo movie? I actually never saw Mr. Magoo. <laughs> it didn't look good. I saw it, I think. I have a vague recollection. Well, of the Dracula movie. Dead and Loving It isn't very good. Well, yeah. It's got some funny gags. It's got some funny gags, but it's not as good as, uh, I almost said Police Academy. Naked Gun. Naked Gun. Yeah. Aeroplane. Aeroplane. Yep. The Red Hot Chili Peppers song. <laughs> Turned into a movie. Yeah. <laughs> a spoof that, movie. It's yeah. the way, that's the way it works. Right? It is, it is. Dave, what are you doing with this, uh, James Bondian category? Uh, I am, uh, I'm gonna give Austin Powers to Michael Bay. Destroy Austin Powers. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, there's still half a good movie left in that franchise. It'll survive. I've never seen... Goldmember? Or... Yeah. Yeah. Do you like Goldmember more than Spy Who Shagged Me? I do, actually, yeah. I do, That's, too. Uh, 
I get, I get them all confused because they do the same thing so many times. Um, but, yeah. That's the one with, is it Beyonce? Beyonce's yeah. in uh, the third one, yeah. yeah. Gold member. Um, I actually think that one was nice. Anyway, um, so I would have the problem of starring in Spy Hard. Obviously, I'm not taking Leslie Nielsen's role because I want to work with him. Sure. Um, but I don't remember any, like, I don't even, I don't think I saw the whole movie. I think I'm thinking of just the trailer. I don't remember any other role. But it really wouldn't matter. I would start along Leslie Nielsen in a movie I haven't seen. Uh, you haven't seen it? No. Oh, I, I just looked it up here. Uh, oh. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen's character is um, Dick Steele. Love it. Agent WD-40. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, that is uh, something else. Barry yeah. Boswick's in it. Oh, the boss. Uh, Charles Durning. Uh, Nicolette Sheridan. You can play that role. Yeah. Andy um, Griffith. Oh, Andy Griffith Andy. plays the bad guy, which is great. I forgot about that. Andy, I definitely saw that movie because I was a huge Matlock fan. And my thought was, Andy Griffith is a bad guy. I am absolutely 100% on board. Ray Charles, Hulk Hogan. Uh, and oh, I'm taking the Hulk Hogan role. I don't know what it is, but I'm in. <laughs> and Roger Clinton, uh, I believe Bill Clinton's brother? Yes, yeah. saxophone player. Yeah, is in, this, is in Spy Hard. Oh, and Fabio. Don't forget Fabio. We might have to use Spy Hard next time here on Dave. Pat Morita, yeah, Mr. T, Alex Trebek. Wow, this has a cavalcade of cameos. Nice alliteration. Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, all right. And then I... That's trashing Johnny English. Like, that. no one's mad about that. Yeah, and I believe there's a second Johnny English, too. Oh, Jesus. I think you're right. Yeah. That's amazing. And Mr. Bean does not have a first name. <laughs> in fact, in one, in one movie, uh, they show his ID, and in the first name spot, it, it says, says Mr. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Great gag. As funny as the gags in Double O Kid, for sure. Oh, not as good, uh, but close. But, yeah, Brad, uh, boy, I... I think I gotta follow suit with Brad, although working with Leslie Nielsen is certainly yeah, something that I would like. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. And Mr. T, actually, I would love to uh, work with. But I'm gonna start in Austin Powers. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and take the. Uh, just to change it up, I'm gonna take the Will Ferrell role. Mm. Good scene, too. Fall down the, the pit and not be dead I'm yet. I'm badly burned! <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a really funny scene. Um, but for there, again, um, again, following suit, Spy Hard to Michael Bay. Leslie Nielsen and Michael Bay is something I regret that we could never see. That would have been cool. Uh, that's a match made in... I was going to say... Hollywood? Yeah, in Hollywood. That's better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, trashing Johnny English. I prefer... I'm a rat race man anyway. <laughs> when it comes to my Rowan Atkinson movies. <laughs> rat race. Also with Seth Green. So it's, it's, it's yeah. all kind yeah. of full circle. And Seth Green is credited in this film. Double okay, kid. In this one, yes. I, I, I guess we're not positive that's the Seth Green. Yeah, I guess so. But it, it seems to be just before Seth Green started being in things, so it could be... That does make sense. I don't know what scene that would be in, though. Well, but... I'll figure it. We'll figure it out. Okay. And while we do, we'll do one more Trash Star Destroy category. We'll do Bridget Nielsen movies that feature a number. Of course, Double Zero Kid <laughs> is the movie we just watched. In case you want to look it up on YouTube. In case you want to look it up on YouTube where it's not hard to find the full movie. <laughs> because it's not really... I couldn't find it really anywhere, although the IMDb picture 
definitely is a Blu-ray case. And I can't believe they went through <laughs> the trouble of putting this fucking movie on Blu-ray. Oh, Chris, it's even better than that. Because this came out on VHS. So first they transferred it to DVD, and then they could have skipped HD DVD. DVD. They did. No, I'd not love that to many see times. this movie in HD. Those graphics would look amazing. The graphics. The, the, the movie that uh, this is oh, another part of the problem. This movie's understanding of computers is stupid. Is just stupid. I think this movie broke Chris. <laughs> I am so... And it absolutely is the Seth Green. <laughs> wow. The Seth Green we know and love is in Double O Kid. What, does it say character name? Chip. <laughs> oh, right. Chip. We saw that in the Chip credits. Who is Chip? I don't know who Chip was. Double O Kid. It's gonna haunt me. Beverly Hills Cop 2. Rocky 4. Bridget Nielsen. Movies with a number in the title. I'd probably want to star in Beverly Hills Cop 2. Okay. And I'd probably take the Judge Reinhold role. Absolutely. Even though I want to work with the judge, <laughs> but mm -hmm. still, it's a good role. He kind of goes a little crazy in that movie with, like, weapons and stuff. He's a little even a little more out of control than the first. And get to work with Eddie Murphy. That'd be pretty fucking cool. Mm -hmm. So, I'll start in that. I'm going to... Oh, boy. The the smart move here, I realize, <laughs> is to give Rocky Four to Michael Bay. And trash Double O Kid. Yeah. But God, there's a part of me that wants to see Michael Bay do Double O Kid. <laughs> it, it breaks my heart a little bit to trash Rocky IV at that point, because that movie's a terribly good movie. Uh, I disagree. I think Rocky IV is fucking awful, too. Yeah, it's bad. It's, it's a bad movie. But I like, it's so bad, I actually enjoy it a little bit. Mm. Um, ugh, I'm going to, just for, just to piss Chris off. I'm going to trash Rocky IV, and I'm going to give the double O kid to Michael Bay. He could actually make it a half-decent movie. Yeah. Again, and that's something I would... I'm genuinely interested in seeing Michael Bay, Michael Bay try his hand at a like kid's adventure film. I think that would be something to see. Yeah. Dave? Um... I'm gonna I'm gonna correct Brad's mistake and give Rocky Four to Michael Bay because sure. who would not want to live in that world? Yeah. I admit that's a hundred percent mistake on my part, but I had to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. Well, understandable. You're right. Now the question is I think is, he makes that movie better. Yeah. Uh the question is, do I star in Beverly Hills Cop Two or uh or The Double O Kid? The Double yeah. O Kid. <laughs> no, I've already good forgotten you, this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Rightfully uh, so. Yeah, and what's holding me back from the double O kid is having to get that haircut because I would, of course, take the Corey Haim role. Um, <laughs> you get to wear that fly suit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. I mean, if there's a role to take in it, it absolutely is. Yeah, the it's technically two jackets, but they're sewn back to back. And um, he's not good in this movie. <laughs> no, he's no. not. It's not hard to surpass what he did. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see you in that role, Dave. <laughs> I think I'd be fantastic at it. Um, yeah, so I guess. Um, I'm going to star in the double oak kid. <laughs> sure. Why not? It would be great. Do it. Oh, I could star as the, the bad guy who works with Bridget Nielsen in the opening scene and then is later like a henchman who is really dumb or something. I yeah, I don't know. Um, it's not explained. <laughs> yeah, oh, just, the, the just main... generally bad at his job. Yes, yeah. he's very bad at his job. Um, yeah. Evil I'll take, the, I'll take the villain role, evil henchman guy who I don't think has a name. I don't think we ever hear his name. Possibly. I'm looking for it. I know he definitely has a name. I mean, I'm sure he does, but I don't his know. Mama if we ever knows hear him it. by something, but no. Um, yeah, and getting again, getting rid of Beverly Hills Cop Two is 
that does not harm the legacy of Beverly Hills Cop. And Beverly Hills Cop, you're left with Beverly Hills Cop 3, which is a movie I also like, but it's really bad. We gotta do Beverly Hills Cop 3 I sometime. I don't think I've seen 3, I know I've seen oh, 1 and it's, 2. 3 takes place in an amusement park, it's great. Well, yeah, so amazing. anyway, I mean, I'm really kind of torn. I mean, Brad, it's really, it's, to star in Beverly Hills Cop 2 as John, Judge Reinhold is quite an opportunity. But as much as I have maligned Rocky IV and really, really fucking hate Rocky V, it's, I can't say it's not tempting me to star as Rocky's son to get into the Rocky franchise, which I do love about half the movies of. So I might want to do that and star in Rocky Four as Rocky's kid. Get to play with the robot. Yeah. Oh, God, that stupid robot. <laughs> and give Michael Bay Beverly Hills Cop 2. That could be his first outing, and and you know maybe it's still it's still probably pretty good because it's he's you know doing the Rock and uh, Bad Boys. Beverly Hills Cop Two would fit right in there. That would, yeah, yeah. And uh, Trash, of course, Trash so hard. <laughs> never, Double O kid. Never trashed anything so hard. Never life. trashed harder. <laughs> Controversial choice. That's yeah. <laughs> Direct to trash. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars, which is probably all this movie made. <laughs> Oh, if that. It probably lost money. That's with inflation. All right, guys. We're going to take a break. <laughs> We're going to do some meditating so I don't flip out over the rest of this podcast. And we'll be back with some more The Double O Kid <laughs> right after this. And we're back, talking Double O Kid, the Corey Haim less than classic. Uh, here we are, a movie I know you've probably never heard of and most likely never seen. This game will be integral for your understanding of this podcast. <laughs> it's the summary game, the first official game of the podcast, worth a damn. That's zero to two points as you can score on your high on film scorecard score sitting in front of you, each one of our contestants, including myself. Dave, Brad, welcome to the game. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having us. No problem. We're just going to take a turn at summarizing whatever strewn-together, hackneyed plot this film has in a thousandth of the time that it actually takes to view, which is 95 minutes, giving us each 9.5 seconds to uh, try to piece together any motivations that aren't there and... <laughs> Coincidences. That seems like too much. It does seem like too much. Well, anyway, that's what ha that's what's gonna happen. So uh, see what you can do to help our listeners out because I do not recommend them going to watch this film. Do not recommend. Repeat. Of course, during our break, we had our patented coin toss, coin toss, which has served as the only bit of joy in my in this podcast for me. Uh, and Brad, of course, it came up. Whatever the coin is now. Hales? Hales, sure. Hales Caesar. It's been so long. Hales Caesar, yeah. One of my favorite movies of last year. Up for no Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go first, second, or third, Brad? Uh, I'll go first. All right. I'll dig into this thing. Yeah, you've seen this movie 
an inexplicable amount of time. Uh, yeah, when I saw it as, as a kid, I don't even know. Did we like have it on? Did we have? Did we record it or something? I've seen that movie probably at least ten times in like, my life. Not only once since I was eleven or something. All right, Brad. If we can cover this. We can cover anything. Nine point five seconds. To summarize, the double O kid. Mm -hmm. In three, two, one, go. A CIA intern has to deliver a package to Los Angeles, and he gets caught up in a, a plot to kill a bunch of scientists on an airplane uh, to stop them from saving our planet. Time. Good job. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. You left out a lot of the hijinks. I mean, the hi I forgot to say hijinks and Sue. Yeah, I should have said that. That's you should have. You would have probably gotten almost a... Full two points for that, actually. I mean, for whatever plot does exist in this movie, that's about it. <laughs> yeah. And really, the whole scientist airplane thing is fairly glossed over. Yeah. We don't even meet the scientists who are going to be killed. Nope, we do not. Yeah. We know what they're having for lunch, though. We, well, we speculate on what they're having for lunch. Well, Sean specu speculates. Yeah. And for someone who's so rich, yeah. like, mocks them for having nice food and, like, fancy meals... That's Cash Pot for you. <laughs> yeah, well, Sean, the big bad in this movie's name is Cash Pot. It's great. Cash Pot. <laughs> for all you listen. Cash Pot. Yes. <laughs> well, like a pot of cash. Except he's not even the financier. No. Because it turns out there's two guys who have three lines apiece later on who drink champagne to watch a computer simulation of this plane going, oh, god damn it. <laughs> Let me, do, let me do my summary again. Okay, I'm sorry, what is it? 9.5 9 seconds? Nine and a half, six. All right, buddy. Lingo, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right? Uh, yeah, I know. Slang. Podcast lingo, right. Podcast lingo. Uh, okay, in three, uh, okay. two, one. A young kid who's an intern for the CIA is traveling to Los Angeles to deliver a package to a guy because FedEx is not reliable in 92, uh, and he gets caught up in this plot for the key card to Time. kill him. I don't care. I don't care. Everything I said was incredibly important to say. <laughs> or was as important as anything else. Yes. As important and as emphasized in this stupid plot. Oh, did I mention the death arcade? No. <laughs> I can't wait to discuss the death arcade. Oh. Fuck this movie. Hold on for best scene, guys. Oh, uh, All right, Dave. All right. Nine and a half seconds. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Three, two, one, go. <laughs> CIA intern has to deliver a package in Los Angeles from Philadelphia, which he can do there and back in the day. Uh, he gets caught up with Bridget Nielsen and plot to kill a bunch of global warming scientists. Um, Time. <laughs> I got um in there. Yeah. yeah. You, and you got the plot to kill yeah, global I... warming scientists, which is weirdly prescient that... All these big businessmen are trying to kill the scientists who believe in climate change. That's why topical. I. That's why I recommended it. It's topical. <laughs> Is that why? That's correct? exactly why. Ugh. I hate you guys. Ugh. You've never been so mad at a movie. It's so funny to me. I mean, mad at the movie. I'm. I'm Finally, I can stop reaching a zen-like state of rage here. I mean, it's just the lack of trying, and like, it especially pisses me off because people. We go, oh, well, it's a kid's movie. And I hate that excuse. I really think that's lazy. And laziness is really where I I fall apart here. Like, the laziness in this film is just so apparent and insulting. Like, why should we watch this piece of trash that you clearly didn't even put work into? Which is why I love movies like The Room or, say, Boondock Saints 2. Like, or I should say, love-hate them. Because they actually are trying they're trying so hard to make something good and just falling flat on their faces, and I relish those moments. 
Yeah, I, I guess I might that, agree, those, it, it agree could, to disagree on trying so hard to make something good, but okay. Well, you know, there is some yeah. effort being put in yeah, by some sure. people. And this, I mean, Wallace Shawn's the only one exerting any effort in this whole fucking movie. Yes. Oh, sorry, and John Reese davies who is killed almost immediately. And is maybe the finest of the caliber actors we have in this film. In a... But in a, whatever. In an arcade car crash. Mm, I can't... <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> of inexplicable damage. The damage yeah. is coming from nowhere. Oh <laughs> my god! <laughs> we, we have time. We gotta... Ooh, let's finish... Where are we first in this impressions. podcast? Yeah, we'll first get impressions. To first impressions. Focus. Focus, focus. Me. <laughs> Don't let your rage... You know... You gotta control it, like a yeah. Jedi. There you go. In this game, we're each gonna give a line from Double O Kid that we'll try to impersonate to the best of our abilities. Uh, each line supplying, uh, supplied by the person to our left, given to the person to our right. Zero to three points for this game. It's a little heavier, weighted. Uh, I believe I'm going first, since Brad took the liberty of going first the next game. Dave, I want you to say a John Reese davies line. Okay. Where he's uh, explaining... <laughs> The plot, the, the whole motivation for the bad guys. Okay. Um, they would like to see the scientist uh, disappear unexplainedly. <laughs> unexplainedly. In the Bermuda Triangle. They're trying to crash the plane in the Bermuda Triangle so that, again, so people don't investigate. Uh, yep. Because of the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Gimli from Lord of the Rings. The consortium would like the scientists to disappear unexplainedly in the Bermuda Triangle. Alright, following his memorable role as Sala in the Indiana Jones franchise, <laughs> here's John Reese davies uh, as portrayed by Dave Byrne. <laughs> the consortium would like the science... The consortium would like the scientists to disappear unexplainedly <laughs> in the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> I don't think his voice goes up like that. Yeah, okay. I mean, I actually Unexplained. like it. I, I, I like going yeah. for that, though. I, mean, he, I think he does it a little bit. You certainly exaggerated yeah. that. But I, I liked it. All right. A little heavy-handed as an actor. I, I, yeah, I felt it was like maybe your own take on whatever this man's name is. Rudy <laughs> something. Oh, who knows? Dave, you got a line for Brad? Oh, I do. Um, so my line is uh, from Alshon... Uh, Cashpot. Oh, yes. Cashpot, um, the vaguely anti-Semitic hacker villain, um, and uh, explaining uh, how he plans to get away with um, the plan to crash the plane of the Bermuda Triangle is apparently that no one will investigate the Bermuda Triangle. So he says, uh, the, the world's about to, experience, to witness another mysterious phenomenon. Gentlemen? The world is about to witness another mysterious phenomenon. Gentlemen, the world is about to witness another mysterious phenomenon. That was pretty good. Mm, thanks. Why talk like this to people you're trying to get money from? I don't know. I hate this movie. It's a performance <laughs> yeah, choice. It is, it is. I, but I mean, I guess a good... Kids movie villain performance. Yeah. That's yeah. probably true. Yeah. Brad, you got a line for me, sir? Uh, yeah, I do. I'm also going to give you a Wallace Shawn line. It's around oh. the same place. He's, uh, 
he's tried to... Boy, I don't even know how to explain this. He's basically putting a virus into that airplane to get it to go down, but somehow Corey Haim hacks his computers through a chess game, and the virus bounces back into their own system. And if that didn't make sense to listeners, that's because it doesn't make sense. But uh, Corey Haim then pops up on the screen having kind of accomplished this in front of Wallace Shawn's Cashpot, and Cashpot just calls him a little shit. Cashpot! You little... You little shit! What's your move? <sighs> okay. <clears throat> Wallace Shawn. It is funny that uh, almost right after this, he says, like, Impossible! Impossible! And I can't believe they didn't throw in an inconceivable. Uh, you know, come on, this is, you know, post-Princess Bride. Could have had him do that. Oh, well. Missed opportunity. <clears throat> Let me get real mad at Corey Haim. It's going to be hard. <laughs> I feel like you're already really mad at him. You little, you little shit! That was pretty good, actually, yeah. yeah. Quite nice. That was good. Inconceivable! Thanks, guys. Yeah. I'm impressed. Hey, I've been practicing my Wallace Shawn since we did Princess Bride on this very show. So many years ago. <laughs> it's a while ago now. It was. All right, guys. Here it is. The moment we've all been waiting for. Time to set, a, set aside the scorecards, because we're getting into an open forum discussion of this godforsaken quote-unquote movie. Perfect movie. Sure, don't interrupt me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> of course... Even in dark times such as these, we try to remain optimistic. So we like to start off optimistically. To do, to do, best scene. What on earth is the best scene <laughs> of the Double O Kid? Um, the zoo chase. The zoo chase is my first answer <laughs> because <laughs> it contains the best alligator attack ever seen in modern cinema. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that an alligator attack happens in this movie <laughs> just goes to show you how fucking ridiculous this movie oh. is. And it, uh, given, given no weight, there's no lasting consequence at all from, like, the, the big heavy getting attacked by an alligator brought to the ground yeah. and having his, having his leg chomped on by this clearly, like, two-piece wooden alligator where you send it out on a skateboard and pull one string to make its jog up and down. It looks that cheap. It's you don't even fantastic. see the whole alligator. Nope. I mean, to give you context, just get its like head. <laughs> to give some context, Please, Corey Haim and Nicole Eggers are being chased through the zoo after they find a dead body who's sitting on a bench, and the, to escape the people trying to attack them, they cut through the alligator pit, and the alligator almost gets them, and then like the henchman, the big like strong you know bodyguard type guy for the bad guys, runs through the alligator exhibit after them and does get his leg chopped a couple times yeah. by an alligator and then just keeps running. Yeah. By wooden alligator puppet. <laughs> and the next scene, he's fine. He's, yeah, no he's longer... Walking, no, not even the limp. Not even the limp <laughs> that he acquires from an alligator's jaws chomping down on his leg. I mean, uh. <laughs> and Brad, oh. Brad, yeah. go ahead, Brad. What's your best scene? Let's get, <laughs> let's get this part over so I can get into what I want to talk about. Okay. Uh, my best scene uh, is... The scene where Corey Haim has uh, stolen the bad guy's limo. He's slept in their limo in this random parking lot overnight. 
He wakes up the next morning. Somebody has stolen a tire from the limo. While he somehow they jacked up the limo and was able to take a tire off it while he slept in it. Mm-hmm. That's aside. From That's the Los Angeles for you. But Bridget Nielsen is in contact with a group of rollerbladers who were playing hockey. Corey Haim gets out of the car and all of a sudden he's now surrounded by said rollerbladers who are supposed to be killing I guess, him. Killing him. <laughs> yeah. It's about I don't know eight rollerbladers and <laughs> rollerblade assassins. Rollerblade assassins. And there's a then Corey Haim starts running, starts running, jumps off the top part of this parking garage and lands on another car. Now instead of the car stopping, this this woman's car, she drives around with him on the hood with the rollerblade crew chasing this car through this parking lot, constantly tripping over themselves. Constantly tripping over themselves. They're not great rollerbladers. <laughs> now, once he finally gets thrown from the car, he runs into Nicole Egger. Who oh, that's not even the same person. Yeah. <laughs> who is now roller skating home yeah. with uh, a shopping cart full of groceries. Also, every according to this movie, every young girl in Los Angeles is on roller skates. Yeah. Which might have been true in 1992. I don't know. And every single ridiculous. one of them wants to fuck Corey Ham. Yeah, he, he makes true. out with a lot. He makes out with a couple random girls without any real. Question. But, but go anyway, ahead. Uh, so now that he is in Nicole Eggert's shopping cart, he says, you have to help me. So now she is pushing him through some like type of walkway uh, with her roller skates, with him in the shopping cart, with the rollerbladers chasing them and him throwing her groceries at them to try and stop them. All of this ends with him taking a super soaker, putting some type of gas into it or something, using a lighter to then fired said super soaker at them with a fl- like almost like a flamethrower. Uh, the scene is absolutely ridiculous. And when I saw this movie and texted Dave Byrne that he needed to see it, that was the scene I pitched him as why he needs to watch this. A bunch of rollerbladers chasing him while he's in a shopping cart of with a girl pushing it on roller skates. Here's my problem. <laughs> yes, on paper that sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> What? That sounds like it's hilarious and so crazy, but it is executed with without any sort of in the most daftless way possible. Oh, it's dull. Oh, yeah. it is not exciting. It is not believable. Stupid stunts. Like the stunts are are minimal. Yeah, it's not believable. It's not filmed well. Like there's no building of excitement really. And I just, I, it's, it's, it takes all the fun out of that campiness. Like, that should, that sounds like a cool scene. Like, oh man, a kid, like, getting chased by rollerbladers and, like, hits it, like, on a car or a super garage. Like, that sounds like a fun spy kid's, like, you know, maybe a little hilariously, like, crazy or zany, but it's not. It doesn't yeah. play out that way. And this is where I get into my theory, and I think Corey Haim showed up too drunk to do stunts, and they were like, let's rewrite this so you're in a shopping cart. Just, I don't know, like, we'll get some shots of you throwing food at the guys. There is absolutely one of the shots of him in a shopping cart is clearly a dummy, and not (laughs) him. Not a person in the shopping cart. It is still, as the shopping cart rattles around, and he never turns around, it's terrible. So no, fuck that scene too. Yeah, that's my best one. Yeah. So what's your best scene, Chris? There is one thing I liked in this movie. There is only one thing I had any inkling of actually really liking, and it is the gag of the 
big bodyguard talking to the valet with the limo, where for so, and it's even set up dumb because like <laughs> it, they insist on exchanging keys and valet tickets for reasons that will become clear later um, with the valet, even though they're bad guys. And so even though he tosses the valet the, the car because he insists on getting the keys from him, he tells him, don't move it. <laughs> and I thought that was a funny gag to give your keys to the valet and then go, all right, but don't move it. And after he says, like, I gotta move the car. And he's like, don't. I, I thought that was really funny. I thought it was a good gag. And that's it. That's, that's, <laughs> that's it. Extent. You didn't like his very believable Roosevelt hotel room that he got with $200 in cash from the CIA? Yeah, no, that's stupid. Ugh, that whole scene. And, I mean, and it's even stupid the way it comes around because then he gets the valet ticket from the passed out bodyguard's yeah. pocket and is able to take the limo then. Yeah. Because the same valet goes, oh, okay, here's your keys and gives him the keys to the limo that he did not move. And then realizes, hey, you're not the big black bodyguard <laughs> yeah. that you're gave not- you're not 6'4", 280, uh, bald black guy, like that's... <sighs> and after giving him the keys and watching him drive away, then only does the valet freak out and hey, go, Hey, hey wait a minute! Car. You can't drive the car away after I gave you the uh... <laughs> Alright. If there's a best scene, which there isn't. <laughs> there has to be. Would you have something else to say for best scene? Really, Dave? <laughs> Or can, it, that scene. or can it work for a worse scene? <laughs> it can always do both. I'm yeah. sorry. Here it is. <laughs> worst scene. Do-do-do-do. <laughs> Chris, do you want to start off? Or should All right. we... <laughs> I, well, I think I've narrowed down, like, other than the sheer laziness of production quality at every turn in this movie. <laughs> right. The big thing is that it's it tries to make all these, like, kid-friendly hijinks like, oh, mustard in his eyes to blind him. Or, oh, he uses the super soaker as like a blowtorch to not actually burn anybody, but just to scare away the rollerbladers. Um, or like, uh, yeah, playing the video games in the death arcade, which his controls do not correspond to anything that his character is doing as this mummy who gives him a thumbs up for saving his life. <laughs> like, meanwhile, saving his own. Uh, it's like I liken it like look at Home Alone where there's kid friendly hijinks like oh you know what how do we incorporate kid stuff into this like he uses micro machines and jacks to sprawl out along the floor so they slip and fall on him right and it works and it's very believable like yeah look you would slip and fall or like yeah you'd smash your foot on these and it hurts like hell and it works and here when it's like oh we'll give the kid uh, a super soaker. It's just dumb because it doesn't work. Like it defies all bits of logic. Like it, mustard it, in your eyes is not blinding you like this, host- so that you pick up your partner and start beating the living shit out of him, <laughs> thinking it's Corey Haim. <laughs> and prior to this, now this is in the hot- the Roosevelt hotel room scene, which is uh, I think your best example is because yes, in that scene. Two grown men come into this room where Corey Haim is obviously trapped. Corey Haim is able to get out of this by first using, like, a retractable mirror to yes. squeeze on the guy's finger, which is, the guy, like, screams in pain, which that yeah, would not like hurt that a much. a metal accordion thing, which, yes, would hurt if, it, if your finger got caught in it. Right. But the amount of his hand that gets caught in it actually would hurt less than if he actually just pinched 
like a blood blister on his hand. Right. Like that's how much damage this thing so inflicts. He is thrown. So that guy's thrown off by the mirror. So then the big 6'4", 280-pound guy comes after him, and he's hitting him with a pillow. <laughs> he's fighting him with Again? a pillow. Oh, cool. A kid would fight back with a pillow to a guy with a switchblade. Who's gigantic, and who would just plow right through you and just grab you and beat yeah. the shit and out of you. And beaten momentarily senseless by a feather pillow. And that is when then he grabs him, and he grabs the mustard, <sighs> squirts it in his eyes, and he's able to, and he gets thrown out a window then, which he grabs the oh, curtain, yeah, yeah. which... Actually, that throw out the window is one of the only good things in this movie because that actually looked half believable. Yeah. Oh, I like. I'll tell you, it's even better when it's some other guy later and he falls out the window when it's like yeah. some henchman the and it's balcony. like a far and he does it in the background like he falls from the balcony. And that's pretty funny. That's another funny kind of gag that is, I think, unintentionally executed well. But your point is, and I think Home Alone's a perfect example to bring up. Like that's where this fails so, so epically. They're just terribly conceived and lazily conceived. Like, you can still get away with some of this stuff without having these stupid little devices. I don't know. I'm sorry, Chris. It, it's a waste of time. This movie's a fucking waste of time. <laughs> yeah, it is. Of everybody's time that was involved, of anyone who has ever watched it. And I'm sorry so much of your life is spent watching this movie. Right? <laughs> so much of it? I mean, I'm not... I'm okay. Uh yeah. What do you want to talk about next? I mean, the, this, <laughs> should we so go much? into this death arcade? Yeah. Oh, can we please? Because... because all right, so the car, right? Okay, the car that kills John Reese davies Yeah, the car that kills John Reese davies is simulates a car crash. And there, this is where it stands out from the rest of the arcade. There is no visual on what is causing all this damage. It's just you look at the screen, and then you look back, and there's a big dent in the front of the car, and he's all cut up, and the... Like he was in a real car doll crash. next to him that's, be that's belted into the passenger seat is like getting the top of her head cut off, when they go they go under the truck, there's this very specific damage, and there's nothing that causes it. Yeah. They just cut away and cut back, and they're like, oh! And the car's now smoking and broken, and he's yeah. bleeding, and there's, it's literally a car, like a, like a, outs, outside of the uh, grocery, grocery store. store. Yeah. Like, throw a quarter in and ride the car. Oh, it is coin operated. Yeah. And again, oh my god, and, and there's no, you don't see bats come out and bash the car. Yeah, you no, don't there's nothing. Which is different later on with both the chess and the Egyptian thing, which are also dumb ideas. Yeah, and you see the damage. Yeah, you see, like, what's going on. And again, even with the car, like I mentioned in the Doom Tomb, where Corey Haim is playing the avatar of a mummy. Oh like, yeah, again, which is just a video of a mummy it's in, like, situations... Not only do the controls of uh, Reese Davies and Haim in their respective video games do anything no. corresponding to what's going on on the video screens in front of them. <laughs> yeah, like live action Which is, VHS. again, a complete misunderstanding of how computers and video games operate in general, yeah, let alone at this time. Well, they couldn't afford all the CGI for it. it it's just mind-bogglingly stupid. I can't... And why Wallace Shawn has this? Why does Cashpot have a death arcade? He's uh, not even good at chess. He loses to Corey Haim in three moves. Well, that's because... Corey Haim's a genius. A, his mm. home computer, uh, this super hacker's home computer that runs multiple death machines can't run two programs at once and will get so confused that it will do things like if you send a chess move, it'll send a computer virus. Yeah. Which, yeah. 
makes no sense. So it bounces back and forth like a tennis match. And then eventually, they take the infected chess piece, which is how they got out of that jam. Um, and they, it, the computer just like reads the move queen to helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, what? Because the what virus... other two games do you think you're playing? No, try to make sense of this. Because the virus allows them to uh, crash an airplane's controls. Any okay. individual airplane's and controls. And I want to point something out, though. I'll and it's unstable it. because it can go into civilian airplanes as well, which is a concern. Uh, that's, now, that's Corey Haim's concern. Corey Haim, I believe, hacks into... This virus, or the computer mainframe of Cashpot, using his own chess game death arcade. Correct. Hold on, I would, I have some minor the virus, infuses the virus, therefore, and it's already hooked into any air vehicle, including all the planes and Cashpot's own helicopter. <laughs> Which, okay, so I have a couple issues with that. Uh, okay, uh, a couple of issues. hacked. He does not hack. No, he, he, he opens yes. the game and just says, oh, well, I want to play with Cashpot because... And the computer says, Cashpot's not playing. Do you still want to play? And he, and goes, he says, yes. yes. And then the computer says, hey, Cashpot, you're playing now. <laughs> and he goes, hey, Corey Ham goes, great, we're in. But it's stuck halfway between him sending a computer virus and him sending a, a chess move. But also, there's something else I want to point out. That in the beginning... When he first gets this job, after he's already stolen the FAA plans, and uh, a lot of this plot mm, is... CIA like, intern? Yeah. Child uh, summer intern program? program. Oh, that, I was okay. going to talk about that in a moment. <laughs> um, he mentions that Cashpot is a, a creator of custom computer viruses, meaning they're meant to do one thing and they do it. However, they keep being so worried that they have the computer virus on their computer... They're like, oh no, you're not in a plane. You're not going to crash. No one gives a shit if the navigation system in your living room falls. Like, And they, he complains to be like an expert on computers, but here he has made a virus so unstable. Yeah. That it's it can so affect directionless all. directionless that it will just absolutely like, completely wipe out a plane, not do anything specific. It's just he has to time it. He has to manually send it in time for them to be over the Bermuda Triangle, not like link it to... GPS yeah. or a timer or anything. Yeah, before we get to Brad Corey Haim's uh, home life, which I do want to talk about, <laughs> uh, there is there is one thing I, I realized late in this movie about the the villain's motivations, is that this movie opens the very first thing we see are Bridget Nielsen and her the other henchman. Yeah, other henchman who's a weird go between stealing. The FAA or plans, like flight codes. Flight codes. Flight codes is what it is. Stealing the flight codes. It is a full 15 minutes later in the movie that John Reese Davies comes to Wallace Shawn, Bridget Nielsen and other guy's boss, and and gives him this case of, hey, we want these scientists who are going to be on this plane dead. Can you kill them? So he has preemptively had his henchmen steal FAA flight codes for a job he doesn't even know he's getting yet. That's yeah, that's true. Okay, Brad. Take us into Corey Ham's home life. Yeah. What's I, his I, stupid name? I can't even remember. Lance, Lance Elliott. Lance Elliott. Uh, oh, so what a cool I, 1992 I mean, name. We've, 
what's actually the worst p- stuff in this movie I think has already been discussed for the most part. Yeah, the nonsensical bad guy stuff and yeah. lack of motivations on everyone's part. And the hotel room stuff. And even our best scenes are like borderline worst scenes. Like, Other than but, Lance. Lance has clear motivations. He wants to be a spy. He's given the opportunity to and he fully throws himself into this case does, more yeah. than he ever should have. Well, the big problem is this: you get this whole story at the beginning between the head of the the CIA, the main CIA guy Trout or whatever, and then his boss talking about our summer intern programs working so well, we get to extend it, and they forget to. I guess Trout forgot to send a package to this Weinberg guy, which we never really even find out what that package is. No, it, it is inconsequential because he. It just happens to be that Lance Elliott shows a. Corey Haynes shows up there and he hands him this key card that they're, trying, the key card. that they're trying to get from him. Mm-hmm. So it's very like enemy of the state, kind of not knowing that you've been slipped this thing that's so yeah, vital. Um, so he kind of gets wrapped up in it that way. But the whole idea of a summer intern program for the CIA, and then Trout sends a child, a 16-year-old kid, from we, what's supposed to be Philly, though, is obviously L.A., because you could see they literally <laughs> yeah. filmed in Hancock Park for <laughs> yeah. Philly. Like, there's literally street side, like Windsor. You see that, I'm like, oh, this is Hancock Park. I drive through there for work a lot. Which is a neighborhood in here in Los Angeles. Yes, like a, 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 a upper-class neighborhood. Right near Paramount Pictures. That is true. Um, so there's all that, and then there's his whole, which we never get explained, that his mom wants him to come to breakfast... And he, like, refuses to come to breakfast. Karen Black, who, uh, you know... Underused. Barely used. She just goes into the house to get mad at Corey Haim for not joining them for breakfast. And then he slips out. She's not even mad. She's like... Please, come have breakfast. Wanting to spend time with her son. Yeah. Like, she's like a loving mom. And he won't even talk to her. And then leaves on a bike. And then we never see her again in the movie. Him or his brother, who, like, they, like, play tricks on one another for a couple minutes. And that's it. Yeah, his relationship with his mom is ridiculous and unexplained. Like, is it? It's just. I, I guess my best guess is that it's trying to pass it off. It's like, oh, it's cool to like ditch your parents and go to your CIA job. I guess. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Ditch your parents, be a rebel, get a job at a government agency. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there it is, the theme song to milking it. The final game of the podcast, zero to five points, so they easily the heaviest. Weighted and still anyone's game. We're just going to draw a card from the big box of Hollywood ideas of prequels, sequels, reboots, and genres and see if we can turn this piece of garbage into something that can actually make money for the studio system. We just need a title and a quick summary of what our movie will be uh, transformed into in uh, whatever way uh, the card dictates, you know? We've all played this game a thousand times and it will only become more readily apparent of how it's played while we play it. I believe it is Dave's turn to go first. Ooh, I'm excited. You should be, Dave. I'm actually excited because this might be the only value we milk out of this movie. Ooh, I get a prequel. Awesome. Great. Oh, I want a sequel so bad. I want Chris to get a sequel so bad. Creature feature. Okay. I'm going to jump off this box. I feel like that one's coming up a lot these days. Yeah, I feel the same way too, actually. <laughs> and... A reboot. I love it. I'm so happy. Good. Uh, maybe I can actually make a good children's James Bond homage. There you go, Chris. All right, we're going to take a quick break and be right back with three brand new movies that'll actually be worth your time to listen to. 
right after this. And we're back right in the middle of milking it for The Double O Kid, a movie I cannot recommend one bit. Don't waste your time, don't watch it, but instead we have three brand new movies here for your listening enjoyment, hopefully improving upon this steaming pile of garbage, The Double O Kid. Dave, you drew, oh yeah, the prequel. Oh yes, the yes prequel card. I can't wait. What do you got for our prequel? Okay. We open on man walking into CIA headquarters. With a bassinet, right? He uh, walks over, drops off his kid into daycare, and as credits roll, the role of Lance Elliott is now being played by a talking baby. Love it. <laughs> um, it is the single O Babies, a uh, toddler spies for the CIA. Um, uh, shortly into his day, and some uncomfortable exchanges with opposite sex hussy babies. Uh, an alarm sounds and a lockdown gets initiated. Lance's father runs in and sneaks the microfilm into his diaper bag. Um, later, paired up with his diaper bag and set off to safety. Um, the Russians decide the most sensible plan of action is to hire a bunch of baby secret agents to try and stop him. Hijinks ensue. And eventually, he gets the microfilm to the Air Force so they can pinpoint a... Blue jeans drop right over the heart of Moscow and strike at <laughs> communism the only way that works. Happy ending. Happy Except ending. Lance Elliott's father dies, and then we get to know why he's obsessed with being a spy. Oh. Ooh, that's that's, um, that is a nice little touch. I guess. <laughs> What's your title? The Single O Babies. The Single, single O Babies. That was not The single O and babies plural? Yes. I love it. Bonus points. I'm a fan, Dave. Thank you. Brad. Chris. You have the creature feature card? I, I do. Let us have it. So uh, we have this lab in Los Angeles, uh, and a company is creating this monster for a death arcade. Uh, not an actual Death Star game, but that's what they call it. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're like creating this monster within the game that's supposed to be like the biggest, baddest monster of all time. Uh, but then somehow it manifests itself into our real world uh, when somebody plays it. And now it's like being held inside this Death Arcade, but now they need to find the codes to take down this computer-generated monster that's now wreaking havoc on where it's at. So they call the CIA in Philly, where they have the codes for this, and because they uh, don't want to uh, risk those codes getting into the hands of someone like a FedEx or UPS driver, they get one of their summer interns to fly the codes across the country to get it before this monster can break out. Uh, and, of course, right when our main character gets there, the monster has now kill, managed to kill all the scientists and computer Shit. experts there. So now it's down to Lance Elliott, and this, now, this monster has gotten out. So it's down to Lance Elliott to figure out how to use these codes to stop the monster, which the monster is a guy named Cashpot, who they had created from and is now actually turned into a giant 
pot of cash that is... How is that a monster, man? <laughs> it's a mud. It's arms and legs. It's taking over the whole fucking city. So it's like the Kool-Aid man? Kind of. Except yeah. it's a pot of cash? Yeah. It's a murderous to... Kool-Aid man. Is there anything scarier? Yeah. It's Not against, really. It, it, it's a, it's, oh, it's yeah. supposed to be a whole thing against capitalism. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Is you're watching a literal pot of cash destroy exactly. the city? Yep. Hmm. That's seriously the way I thought it. That's a, that's a way to think. Uh, in I mean, it's supposed to be, I wanted to make a bad movie for oh, okay. a bad movie. Gotcha. Uh, and my my uh, title will also reflect that as well in The Interno Kid and the Cash Pot Conundrum. Interno Kid. Kid. Yes. And the cash conundrum. The cash pot conundrum. Cash pot conundrum. Okay. <laughs> Your title's the best part. Uh, thank you. It should have been uh, cash pot consortium. Mm. Oh, yeah. That would have been That's what they have in this movie. That's true. Yeah. But, eh, you live and learn. You live and learn, and then you get loves. <laughs> and then you get loves. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, I have a reboot. A reboot. Now... I didn't really do any casting because I don't know many teen actors. I, I don't follow up on the latest Nickelodeon shows to know who's the next one to break on through to serious filmmaking. Um, and what I tried to do here was just try to really strengthen what this movie wanted to do. Um, so, there's some changes. So Lance is a teen as a courier in Washington, D.C., where things happen, not in Philly and Los Angeles for no reason. Uh, we start with him in a movie theater, right? Watching the latest spy movie. Clearly he's loving it. He's chomping on popcorn. He walks out. Clearly he's been playing hooky from his job as a courier. He goes. He delivers his package to what will become our bad guys, right? And when he's delivering this package, accidentally something gets put into his truck by the bad guys. Like it slips. It falls out. Kind of like a... It's a Wonderful Life, um, you know, Mr. Potter gets mm. the money kind of thing. Like, just like absent-mindedness, they, they end up giving him this the codes for what they're trying to do, which is they're big oil barons, and there's actually a climate change summit happening in the White House today that they're trying to stop. Actually kill some, you know, high-ranking officials and the president who's really pro-climate change. But, you know, of course, they're not going to be able to. So... Lance now has this, these codes, uh, unknowingly has these codes, and would you know it, his next stop is making some deliveries for the White House, like giving them some like tour merchandise stuff that's come in, you know, just kind of unloading these boxes. But of course, when he's there, it's also the time that the White House goes on lockdown because these terrorists that he just previously delivered to are now taking over the White House. So he's stuck He's probably, like, in the driveway, and the gates are now closed. So he has to go back into the White House, where he runs into a young White House intern staffer who knows a lot about the White House. And he pairs up with her to kind of go try to figure out what's going on. They realize that the president and these climate change leaders of state are in trouble. They feel like they can help because he's always been dreaming of being a spy. And you know what? Oh, my God. They do help out, and they help figure out the whole thing. The bad guys, of course, realize that, hey, that's the same guy, and we can't find the codes. I think we accidentally gave it to him. So, you know, maybe a little bit of a leap, but again, it's it's all right. I mean, that's not too unbelievable. And there you go. Boom. Kids save the president. 
save the White House, save the climate change, capture the terrorists. They get, you know, arrested. We don't even see the terrorists get arrested in here, right? Um, well, we see them... Yeah, we see them get arrested. You see them get arrested? No, oh, yeah, yeah, we yeah see the right. crash. We see the helicopter crash. We oh, see right. the guy fall from the helicopter. You know yeah, he's yeah, dead. Yeah. We see the other two guys get arrested. That's right. Uh, and this one, it's now being called Teens of the Secret Service. No, that's not bad. Kind of a little Honor Majesty's Secret Service vibe. Honor, you know. Whatever. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? You, you've never cared less in your life. <laughs> All right, guys. No, I care deeply about this podcast. I just fucking hate the double O kid. As a movie, it's really an insult to art <laughs> to the and concept filmmakers of art. everywhere. All right, guys. Um, once you're done scoring, please pass your scorecards to the front of the class for final edition. And as you do that, we move into the pessimistic end of this terribly pessimistic show, Podcast Regrets. Anything regret saying or not saying? I mean, I know my regret is allowing this movie to happen. Oh, you're so mad. <laughs> I'm really... I'm more mad that I just wasted my time on this fucking so-called movie but whatever yeah, you know i feel like there's a couple things we glossed over just because it's so packed with greatness okay um, dave well agreed. we differ yeah. in opinion agreed <laughs> yeah um i don't think i mentioned the fact that there are like four or five women that he has these very brief romantic interactions with that never come back never add to anything they're just literally used and disposed of yes he which could be it could be one female character that he is like grows to know and like over the movie but no it's these like six and then a shopping cart rollerblade chase with nicole eggert and yeah and uh, like he literally just makes out and gropes a stranger to shield his face from the bad guys at one point. and of and her reaction of course is please please let me have your number you're oh, wonderful yeah. of course well you know that's the way Hollywood views women and you know, 1992, we're still very strongly in a rape culture mentality. So there yeah. you are. Good old Hollywood. All right, any other uh, podcast regrets here, Brad? I guess I we just didn't get into how bad the graphics are. Like, they're when they're hacking into these planes, cash pot, like what we're seeing on the screen is so shitty. Like, they have the graphic for the chessboard even at the beginning, but then you see the graphic for the chessboard at the end when it comes back around. The scene where we're supposed to be seeing, like, oh, we're going to do a test run of, like, seeing how this plane will crash. And it's yeah. just, like, this... A computer... <laughs> a line drawing of a plane that just turns down and... Crashes. Goes, yeah. No, it doesn't even really crash, does it? Doesn't it just go yeah, off the there's screen? No, there's no reference in that. It's just a wireframe model of a plane on a blank blue screen that goes all crazy and then disappears. And like, ooh. Yeah, turns around a, a little bit. And then, yeah. like, oh, it's going to be wonderful. Let's really try it now. Yeah. I, I, I mean, and it's flashing simulation at the bottom of the screen. Like, this is real life. Ugh. It's, a, it's a really bad movie. It's a really bad movie. Any other regrets? That was it, right? Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's good. I have the points tallied. I lost proudly. There you go. With fifteen point three points. Congratulations! Thank God. You must be so happy. I am very happy. I was, Brad, I was hoping you'd win. Uh, I would have fallen into a deep depression. If oh won. boy. Brad, you uh, had a solid showing with 16 points, but it did not beat Dave Byrne with 16.2 points. Uh, uh. Truly a terrible movie expert. <laughs> Congratulations, you, you. The Dave. best. Yeah. The GOAT. I, I'm honored to be included on this one. Yeah. 
Yes, yes. So happy. No, Dave. Always a pleasure to have you back. Thank I'm you sorry much. I couldn't be under better circumstances no, this time. This was the best circumstance I think of any movie I've ever watched. <laughs> okay. It well, was, it was it was an honor to watch with you, Dave. To watch such a, to bring you the, yeah, the bad movie me, expert. Uh, such a bad movie was truly my pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. It, it was it was amazing. Now, th thanks for your time. Thanks for your insight into just how terrible movies can be. Uh, of course, people should check out Junk on Netflix. Yep. Uh, on Facebook. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've started dealing stuff again instead of just saying I, I saw, would. yeah. Yeah. Um, coming this week is. <laughs> I can't decide between two shows I hate, but yeah, there'll be something coming this week. Mm. Yeah. Two shows you hate. Great tease. Yeah, Brad Davis. Uh, at BD Always GP on Twitter and Instagram. And I just want to say that, Chris, I am sorry. I'm sorry that I brought this movie into your life. I'm sorry that. Thanks, Brad. That this happened. Yeah. Because, boy, you were affected by it. Yeah. I, I you know, I do use Letterboxd. Uh, Chris uh, C. Maxwell on Letterboxd, if you want to follow me there. I tried to rate it zero stars, but Letterboxd won't. Consider well, you, you well. It won't consider you having rated the movie if you give it zero. Yeah, you have to give it a half off. star to in, include it as rated. Uh, but yeah, I tried to give it a zero. So now it's it's among the worst rated movies on my Letterboxd account. Half star, half star, and I would have given it zero if I could have. Letterboxd, you gotta you gotta give an opportunity to give zero stars. Well, I think I can log it, but it doesn't say rated. Unless I put a star rating. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, I'm at Cross Maxwell across your social media accounts, except for the aforementioned letterbox, which is C. Maxwell once again. At High On Film is the show. Please let us know what you think on Twitter, on Facebook, on iTunes, where it's all important Apple product that uh, helps with our uh, exposure. If you rate and review us there, listen there too, helps. Of course, uh, we have Splash out as our last regularly scheduled episode. Really fun one. We're visiting that Ron Howard, Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah film last week. And, uh, ooh, Lego Batman review. Spoiler-free mini episode of that. And next week, guys, we embark on our 2017 89th Academy Award uh, talk celebration. Oscar Spectacular starts next week with Oscar Throwback. Airing a day early on Oscar Sunday, before the Oscars. So check us out then. We'll, we'll see you then, guys. Gentlemen, thank you as always. The people who made Double O Kid, fuck you. <laughs> Listeners, we love you so much. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.